Hello, hello, hello. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good whatever it is. It's Carly Camilla Hunt here, the self-advocate with a little bit selfish. And I wasn't actually going to record this episode for another uh, another hour or so. I was going to go out for my, my dog walk or maybe run, I don't know, um, and and come back and record it then. <laughs> Something made me laugh um, and reminded me of exactly why I was going to record this episode. So I thought, right, no, let's just do it now. So my episode today, um, I was going to talk about, or I am going to talk about my experience with ADHD. Um, now, it's a really popular one at the moment. I know there's a lot of talk about it and every other podcast seems to be um, a neurodivergent person discussing their experience or their diagnosis and so I thought no I'm not going to do that because you know there's enough of it out there and people don't want to hear my story again but then I I read something else and actually it's so key to to kind of one of my beliefs and values which is which is the value of story sharing how the more people that that kind of talk about their experiences no matter what it's regarding um, the more people that do that the more it, it it kind of softens the blow for everybody else. It 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 kind of paves the way. Um, it it just makes it that little bit more easy for somebody else to do the same. Um, so you might have heard the one I've just listened to actually is Gina Davis, a really interesting one. You might have heard Gina Davis talk about it. You might have heard, well, so many people are talking about it at the moment. But actually, maybe you need another take on it, or maybe something in what I say. Um, will resonate with you and make you think actually this is this is something that I didn't think about it before that I didn't think about before and that's not to say everybody needs to go and get diagnosed with ADHD blah 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 Um, all I want to do is kind of share my experience of it so if you're struggling or if there's something that's bothering you then maybe you'll know there's somebody else out there um so, so why was I going to do it today or why why am I doing it right now um because I posted on my on my socials this morning like yes it's a gorgeous day I'm off out to walk the dog um and then I'm going to come back and record three podcast episodes because there's three that are really important to me at the moment one around boundaries and and kind of losing the shaking the give a fuck thing about what people think one around this my experience with ADHD and one around over peopling um and and kind of an insight into that so I was going to yeah, go for the walk, go and do that, and um, yeah, be mega productive. And then I came and sat down and started scrolling. And before I know it, 25 minutes had passed. And then I laughed at myself because I was like, that is such a typical, it's the dopamine hit. So scrolling on social media can be a real kind of um, distraction, especially if you've got a brain that seeks dopamine maybe more than maybe more than others. Um, and, and so it just made me laugh. And I thought, right, so let's just, let's just do it now because I'm never going to do it. So, 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 I was diagnosed a year ago, actually. It feels like so much longer ago, but it was only a year, well, it was a year this month, so maybe a year and a couple of weeks. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I was really lucky the whole diagnosis process didn't actually take that long. That can't be right. Was it a year ago? Was it two years ago? No, I'm sure it was a year ago. Anyway, um, it didn't take as long as I had expected it to take. I think it takes a lot longer now because I kind of got in at the middle of the the lockdown wave of oh shit there's something going on here um and yeah and so I had a really my diagnosis was I was lucky it was a really positive experience um 
I was lucky in that a friend had just gone through it. And so I was really well informed with what she did and how she did it. And my psychiatrist was just superb. My doctor was fully supportive. So I was one of the lucky ones. And I know it's not that way for everybody, but hopefully you'll see it can be. Um, And if there's anything I can offer in terms of help in in preparing for diagnosis, if it is something you think that you need or that you want, then please do, um, do shout. I'm dealing with it from a parent's perspective at the moment, and that's a very different scenario. But anyway, I digress. So I was always an outsider. I always felt a little bit on the outside, not even a little bit, actually. Um, I have a sight impairment. I hate that phrase, but actually it's the easiest way to describe it. I have a sight impairment. When I was younger, then my sight was extremely poor, extremely, extremely poor. Um, And the glasses that I wore were unbelievably thick. When I say extremely poor, my prescription was minus 22.5. If you know much about eye prescriptions, then (laughs) then you'll know what I mean. I would literally, I'd have my hand in front of my face and if I didn't have glasses or contact lenses on, it would just be this kind of peach blob if I held it up right in front of my eye. If I did have glasses and contact lenses in, glasses or contact lenses in, then I could still, I could see, but I couldn't, I'd have to hold a a book right up to my face to be able to read. Um, So yeah, so I think in my head, that was always what had set me apart. That was always why I was different. I had this sight impairment. Um, I went to a primary school where we were all really close, actually, and so everybody knew about it. But like I said, I always just felt a little bit awkward. I never quite fit in with people to the extent that I can remember literally watching other people, watching how they were sitting or watching how their faces were and rearranging, having to consciously rearrange my face to put an expression on it that didn't seem awkward so that it felt like I fit in. Um, I'd I'd change how I was sitting so I looked like I was sitting with the other people. And this would be a constant thing for me. I would constantly be watching other people and trying to fit in, um, trying to arrange my body, arrange my face, arrange my feelings, my thoughts, my words to to feel more like I fit in with everybody else. And it was shattering. I mean, it was absolutely, absolutely, absolutely exhausting. And this carried on through my, so through my childhood, through my teens, through my earlier adulthood as well. And I was just always conscious of being on the outside of a group. I had, don't get me wrong, I had close friends. But again, even then, the relationships were always slightly, there was always a slight awkwardness to it. There was always a kind of I always felt like I wasn't quite getting it right. I was always being a little bit too weird, a little bit too bizarre. Um, now I had a lot going on in terms of in terms of um, home life. So there was a there was always a lot going on. That coupled with my sight impairment kind of gave me what I thought the you know the reasons for feeling like this. I just thought. I'm just one of these people that life doesn't quite flow for. And so I always feel a little bit on the outside of it. Um, And like I say, it impact with friendships. I'd say things impulsively sometimes. I'll never forget one time saying something in a sixth form common room and just blurting it out. And it was a really hurtful thing to say. It was about somebody's mother. Um, And this mother had been not a very kind person. Um, And so I said something. And the moment I said it, I knew I shouldn't have said it. I felt absolutely awful. But that's just how I was. I'd always take things that little bit too far or I'd make that joke that was a little bit too um, too far. In terms of relationships, um, again, I just never quite knew how to, 
how to be in relationships. I was always trying to be someone else. I was trying to make sure they liked me. I was trying to make sure I fit in. I was trying to make sure I pleased them. And that led to actually some really toxic relationships, some really, really, really toxic ones. Now that changed in my mid twenties when I met my now husband. Um, and finally had what would, um, what would be a, a fairly normal relationship. Um, and he kind of, I was going to say accepted me for all my quirks, but that's, that's like he gave me permission. It's, it's not that at all, but he just, he knew I was able to be exactly who I was. And that was fine. That was, that was exactly enough. Um, and we're still together nearly 20 years down the line now. But up until then, like I say, relationships, friendships, kind of social dynamics, it had always been strange. I'd always been worn out by people. Um, and like I said, I'm going to do another another episode about that because I think it's so important, especially at this time of year coming up to the the kind of the festive season. I would spend time with people and I would be thoroughly, thoroughly exhausted afterwards um, to the point that I would shut down halfway through sometimes. I'd be in an evening, on an evening out, and I'd just have to walk away. Now, I didn't learn to do that until I was a little bit older. So before that, I put up with it and I'd kind of go into overdrive and it would end up, maybe I was drinking, I'd end up drinking too much or making some kind of um, unhealthy choices. As I got further into adulthood, I just started to, I went a little bit too far with, actually, I can just stop this if I want to. And I'd, I'd walk away. I'd go and, you know, I'd, I'd take myself off somewhere and it would come across as really unsocial, antisocial. Looking back, if I think about how much my brain was doing, how much my thoughts were racing, um, always, my thoughts always race and I love it. I adore it. I've learned how to work with it. I've learned how to slow it down. I've learned how to make the thoughts um, kind of productive for the things that I want to be thinking about. But that took a long time. That's only been the last few years that started happening. Beforehand, it used to be that my mind would race a mile a minute. A mile a minute? Yeah, we'll go with, we'll go with that. Um, I talk <laughs> a mile a minute as well. And I would constantly, as much as I was talking and as much as I was putting out there, as much as I was kind of, you know, being sociable and, and interacting, in the background, my brain was still watching, or my mind was watching everything I was doing. Oh my gosh, are you fitting in? Oh my gosh, how? Are you, what are these people doing? How are they acting? What do you need to do to act more like them? How can you do it? How can you be more, you know, how can you make sure they don't see that you're the weird one? Um, and, and it was exhausting. Absolutely, absolutely exhausting. And I think that's the biggest thing for me. Now we look at, we talk about how girls mask, how women mask and I look at look at that from a kind of if I look at um young women or girls that clearly have very 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 busy minds you can see that it gets to this point actually where it has to stop and there has to be this this outlet and that can be meltdowns it can be temper tantrums it can be completely kind of reverting into yourself and 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 almost hiding away and that's what I used to do I used to just take myself off and and be by myself because I just had such a hangover from being with people, such a kind of, yeah, absolute overwhelm. I mean, I think everybody finds it tiring sometimes having to, you know, keeping up with company and keeping up with people and and having to interact. But when you're doing that and in the background, your mind is thinking, oh my gosh, how do I, how do I make myself fit into this box? How do I make myself normal? How do I say the right thing? When you've kind of got this analytical current running in the background, it is so, 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 so exhausting. And so that was the biggest part of my, um, 
what I later realised was ADHD, was this kind of social hangover side. Um, but there's also the the lazy bit and the quitting bit. And uh, this was a really, really toxic belief I had about myself, that I was lazy. I, <laughs> yeah, I spend my life thinking absolutely spend my life thinking but actually you you in in today's society you don't get given credit for that do you not that you should have to have credit but people who aren't lazy typically are the people that are working long hours they're people that are doing the manual work maybe they're the people that are working out all the time um they're people that can be seen to be physically productive there's you know there's a physical output that you can see from what they're doing my mind has always been the thing that has worked over time so Physically, it looked like I wasn't doing anything. I'd just be sat around or I'd be in bed or I'd be um, reading or writing or whatever it was. And so I would be called lazy. I would be be deemed lazy. Yep, she's lazy. She's not got out of bed yet. It's, you know, it's nine o'clock. Why isn't she up doing this, that and the other? Yep, she's lazy. She doesn't work 60 hour work weeks. Um, She's lazy. She's so lazy. And we're taught to believe that actually somebody who is lazy like that doesn't contribute, aren't we? Um, they, uh, what are they in society? Somebody that's lazy like that. They're not pulling their weight. They're a hindrance. Oh, my gosh. These absolute, you know, absolute, oh, I can't even think of the word. But just just people that just take, 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 take. They're lazy. They're not doing this physical thing. And I wasn't take, 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 taking. My mind would be processing and wearing and going through all of these things and quite often that would have a really really good output so I would come up with ideas I would you know I would write things I would have these thoughts that took me on really beautiful um kind of journeys but we were taught in society or we are taught in society some parts of society still teach us that actually thoughts and creativity and that kind of the arty stuff that is nothing that's no contribution but it is it is such a powerful contribution in fact it's the kind of contribution that helps heal people that helps people heal themselves, that helps kind of heal the world, that helps people see that actually maybe it's bigger than how many hours you've worked. Maybe it's bigger than how much money you've earned. Maybe it's bigger than, you know, whatever you've you've done to, to prove your worth. Maybe actually it's more about the person you are, what you give to the world, what you're able to do, what you're able to contribute, what you're able to help people with. I think there is a really, really huge need for so many different types of people and a lot of those people will be physically productive we need people that can do things like farm the land that can that can work in offices that can you know do the physically productive things but we also need the thinkers and the the dreamers and the doers and the artists and the the people that bring beauty in and the people that bring healing in and that bring light in and that and so I had always looked lazy because I don't work in that way. I don't, I can't, I, I, I will burn out or I did burn out. I've burned out many a time when I've tried to work like that. But lazy was a big part of my story growing up. What I didn't realise is that actually all of those beautiful thoughts that I was, <laughs> I was having, and even at the time they didn't seem beautiful because actually I, I gave myself a really hard time. But what they gave me was was what I have now, was kind of hindsight and this learning and this this message that I'm able to talk about. So lazy was a big one for me. I was lazy. Um, but actually, my energy just worked on a different level. Now, 
there's a flip side with ADHD. Um, there is the hyperactivity, the people that are physically productive that can do absolutely loads. That's so I have combined ADHD, but I didn't display the hyperactivity side. I don't display the hyperactivity side. Um, you'll you'll find me rambling through the woods, or you'll find me sat in a chair, or at my desk writing, or chilling in bed, or sitting and having coffee and kind of pondering. There is obviously this hyperactive side as well, but that wasn't that wasn't me, and so. The lazy one was a big one for me, a big one. Again, like I say, not something that you'll see in necessarily everybody that gets diagnosed with ADHD, but that was a big part of how it played out for me, the inattentive side, um, which leads me on to the quitting as well. Now, I'm an intelligent woman. Um, my grades at school were, they weren't always, they were amazing, but they were really good considering I didn't study. Um I started university three times and I've dropped out three times. And that isn't from, oh my gosh, you know, this, this learning is too hard. This is purely down to actually this can't hold my focus. I'm bored of this now. I don't want to continue with this now. I've, you know, I've, I've, I've done what I needed to do on this part of things. And, and now it's time for me to find something else. My attention needs to go elsewhere. My attention flits very, very, very quickly. Um, and the only things that tend to stay true are my kind of core values. So I tend to stick to things that are very much built around my core values. Um, but in terms of projects, I would throw myself all in. Yep, I'm going to do this and this is going to be amazing. Let's colour code everything. Let's make a big plan. Let's get completely, completely set up to do this. Um, and brilliant and this is going to be you know this is going to be the course for me or this is going to be the year for me or this is going to be the essay for me or you know it could be because it could be I was planning my business out for a year it could be I was planning an essay it could be and I'd have it all I'd go into school and we'd get time to um we'd get essays with a the kind of deadline um and I'd be like right I'm going to go home and I'm going to start this I'm going to make this brilliant plan that says I'm going to do like 45 minutes on this a day and I'm going to break it down into segments and it's going to be gorgeous and I'd go home and I'd make the plan and then the next day I'd wake up and I'd be like, right, time to implement the plan. Oh no, the plan can fuck off now. I'm bored of the plan. I don't want to do the plan anymore. And then I would leave it and leave it and leave it until the day before my essay was due in or the night before or sometimes the morning before, um, sometimes even a couple of hours before. And then I would have to blast it all out in one go. And it would be good. It would, you know, it, it would get me a pass. It would get me quite a good pass. It would never get me anything amazing because I'd not done the time kind of researching and looking into it that other people had, had maybe done. But I was able to, like working under pressure is a really, really hot spot for me. I can, that's absolutely how I work. So, it, um, yeah, I would, I would go into things all guns blazing. I'm going to do this. And then very quickly I'd get, I'd get bored. Once that dopamine hit had gone from that initial, yes, let's do this. Then I would quit. And so quite often I would quit things just before I actually got to the finish point as well. So done this, done this, done this. Amazing. Oh, right. Now comes to the point where I've actually got to implement it. Yeah, no, that doesn't give me, that doesn't give me any rush. That doesn't give me any high. <laughs> I will stop. So these are the things looking back that were really clear signs for me. I mean, there were, there were others as well, but these for me were the things that when it came to a day in lockdown where a lovely friend said, should we go for a walk? Should we go for a mooch with the dogs? And we went for a walk. Um, at that point we were allowed to walk with a friend outside and she was telling me that she'd been diagnosed 
And I, I literally, <laughs> I just did it, I acted it out. But So if you can see me now, I'm pacing as I write this. One of the lovely women on my team, when I used to, I used to work with a team in sales, um, used to laugh at me because if I used to do videos and lives, then I'd always be walking around in circles. That's just how I need to keep my kind of energy moving and my, my thoughts moving. Um, but yeah, so we were walking, we were walking along and she said, she was telling me that she'd just been diagnosed and I can't remember what it was she said, but whatever she said made me kind of stop in my tracks. And I just looked at her and I said, oh my God, that, how did I not see this before? And she, and she smiled, which makes me think that she had, she had seen it. And I do wonder, actually, I've never asked her if that was why we, we met up. Um, but I do wonder if that's why she'd, she'd done it. Cause she was kind of like, oh yeah, this might, uh, this might help. And it just all fell into place. And so I started the ball rolling with diagnosis. I went to my GP and as my friend had predicted, my GP initially was a bit kind of like, um, yeah, no, it's a really long waiting list. Blah, 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 blah. So I went back with all the, all the facts, everything I'd found. I, I used my hyper-focus to, to make sure I had everything together. And was like, I've got this, this, and this, this is what I want to do. This is how I want to be referred through something called the right to choose pathway, which is basically when the NHS funds you to go to somebody that generally deals with private patients. Um, and I had diagnosis looked like an hour's appointment. It was a Zoom at that point because we were, like I said, we were in lockdown with a psychiatrist. He talked to me about life growing up. He'd gone through a questionnaire that I'd had to fill in that was, and that my husband had had to fill in, um, talking about my kind of experiences, the things that I struggle with, the things that I excel at, talking about my childhood spoke for about an hour and at the end he said yeah I've you know there's there's more enough more than enough information here um you have combined ADHD these are the options and so gave me my options <laughs> in, in typical ADHD fashion then I I didn't it took me months to actually do something with that but the process in itself was one of the most healing things that I had kind of been through um and I don't want to say, yeah, if you're thinking that you have it, you must go for diagnosis, because actually, I don't believe that. I don't believe that it's for everybody. Um, I believe you need to trust your gut on that. Some people will need it. Some people will you know, will want it. Other people won't. I read something a while ago that said, yeah, absolutely. Um, we can say that labels are harmful, but actually, I'll tell you the label that's more harmful and the label that's more harmful is useless is lazy, is a quitter. That's what getting my diagnosis meant for me. It, it, it stopped me talking to myself like that. It stopped me saying, yeah, but I can't do that because I'm a quitter. I can't do that. I'm too lazy. Um, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't do that because of X, Y, and Z. And it helped me say, actually, do you know what? Um, I have ADHD. So I need to work this a different way. My brain works in a different way. So let's work out how I can do this in a way that, that works for me. And that was the sole reason I went for... Well, no, I don't even know. I don't think that's why I went for it. I don't think I knew that was what was at the end of it when I went for diagnosis. But I just knew that it was important to me and that something could come out of it. I think my subconscious probably knew what I'd get from it before I did. And I can remember him saying it, him telling me, and I, I broke my heart. I cried so much over those next couple of weeks for nine-year-old Carly, for seven-year-old Carly, for 19-year-old Carly, 23-year-old Carly, um, for, 
the way other people had perceived her and told her she was. Um, and so that began to be the way that she perceived herself, the way that I perceived myself. I'd really easily give myself that label. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too lazy to do that. I'm too too much of a quitter. And there was always part of me that didn't really believe it, that knew I was more than that. But the evidence was there. Yeah, I am lazy. I struggle to get out of bed in the morning. Yeah, I am a quitter. I don't finish anything. Yeah, I am, you know, I just, I am scatty and I can't, you know, I'm, I'm uncoordinated and I, I struggle with organisation and I forget things. I forget to turn the hob off and I forget to do this, that and the other. And then all of a sudden I found out that I had ADHD. And I became somebody that had this amazing creative spark. I became somebody that fell in love with the ideas that I have. I love my thought trains now. Absolutely love them. Don't get me wrong. There are times when I have to step in and be like, right, come on, Carly, just slow down. This isn't, this isn't helping you. But I've set my, my life up now. I've created my life in a way that allows me to explore and exploit these, all the beautiful things it brings, the, 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 you know, the, the empathy I have massive, massive, massive empathy. I feel everything so deeply. Um, and as a mother, that can be really hard sometimes. Um, as a human being, that can be really hard sometimes. You see the news, you see um, something happening in the street, you you know, whatever it is, it can really, really hit you. But it also means that I experience I love and joy and delight on such a huge level. Um, and that fills my heart, absolutely fills my heart. I adore it. I can walk through the woods and be completely in love every single day, even though I do the same walk every single day, the trees still fill my heart with love. The, the, the kind of hearing the stream, seeing, sometimes it's seeing the blue sky, sometimes it's seeing the rain clouds, it's whatever it is. I feel things really, really, really deeply. And I adore that. I absolutely adore that. I, um, I have compassion on a massive, massive level. And again, I adore that. Some people would say that it's, it's sappy or that it's, but I love that because it means that I know that I am always going forward with kindness. Um, I, like I said, I, I have so many ideas, so I will hear something and I'm not very good at just, yeah, no, I'm just going to tell you that. And that's the way it is. That's not how my brain works. No. Okay. You tell me that, but I'm not going to be able to work with that until I understand the whole process behind it. I've well, I haven't taught myself. My, my, my body, my brain just, it questions why constantly. Why, why, why? And it means that I've been able to just not accept things, that I take things to the next level, that I have thoughts where I think, actually, I'm not happy with that. That isn't right. And I can push back and push back and push back. Um, and this is why the self-advocate, I've learned to advocate for myself, but I've learned to help other people advocate for themselves as well and say, but why? Why should I do that? What's, you know, what's going on there? What's the bigger picture? And that's... <laughs> For me, that's always been explained. Or when when you look at how somebody with ADHD thinks, then it's, it's down to that kind of thing. Now, there's something I do want to say here quickly about ADHD. And this might sound like a strange one. And again, this is my thoughts being quite, quite big. But my... I needed that label. It worked for me to have that label. And actually, I think people who think in the ways that are deemed as ADHD need um, or can need that extra support. Sometimes it is necessary that they have that extra support, that extra kind, that just that idea about how their brain works. Because I look at children struggle to learn um, and I think they're in an environment that 
has been designed in a way that is only going to beat them down because they can't sit still and concentrate. They can't look you in the eye and listen to what you're saying. They can't just take it on board because you're stood there saying it in front of them. Um, and the moment we have that recognition, that, that label of ADHD, it makes it easier to say, this is why they need something different. This is why they need to be able to, to fidget, to move around, to, to fuss with things. This is why they need to be able to ask why. This is why they need to understand the process behind it. That comes down to having... Oh, often it can come down to having a label, a diagnosis. My dream, or yeah, my dream is that actually one day we have a society where we don't need that because actually society is set up in a way that means everybody can work in a way that works for them, that can work, can learn, can can just generally exist in a way that works for them. They're able to flourish by being creative, um, by not being physically productive, by sitting and thinking, by writing, uh, by getting out of bed at 12 in the afternoon if they need to and going to sleep later because that's how they work, by not having to sit still and listen. Um, they get to question why without being seen like troublemakers. And that is, ultimately, that is what I want for the world. And that is what I want for my children, for my grandchildren, for my great-grandchildren. Society isn't set up like that at the moment. And this is why it became important to me to get the diagnosis because actually society isn't set up like that. Um, children aren't allowed to just, you know, the education system can't maintain having children wander around like that in, in every mainstream setting. It, it just doesn't work like that because they are underfunded, they are understaffed. Um, in some points, you know, th some areas of it, they are undereducated in what it means to have a brain that works in the way that ADHDers do. Um, but my my ultimate dream is that we don't even need, like ADHD isn't a thing, that we just have this recognition that actually this is the way my brain works. So I can say that would resonate with what used to be a diagnosis of ADHD, because actually I've got a creative brain. I've got a, a kind of, you know, I'm, I'm empathic, I'm creative, I work with my energy. Um, so, sorry, I've said um about a million times, because this is something I'm really conscious that I don't ever want to downplay I don't ever want to make somebody feel like I am discrediting how difficult it can be with ADHD because I know it can be I know some people I'm extremely extremely lucky in that I've spent a lot of time being able to work out my thoughts on this and I've spent a lot of time creating a work life and a and a home life where I've been able to flourish with this I know that isn't possible for everybody and I, I know how lucky I am so I'm trying really hard not to what I really don't want to do it's been like, oh yeah, ADHD is this amazing gift, but absolutely everybody. And we just need to realise that actually this is just how it works and blah, blah, blah. Because I know it's not like that for some people. I know the struggle for some people is a lot, lot more intense because they don't have the support. They don't have the people around them that recognise how, um, how intense it can be. They don't, you know, maybe they've not had the upbringing that has allowed them to, um, to question. Maybe their brains don't work in a way, you know, that, that, that helps them understand certain things there are so many different factors to it and so I don't want to say ADHD is this amazing gift and everybody should just fall in love with themselves once they have it because I know it doesn't always work that way and I know that I have been really lucky really really lucky and actually I've been really quite determined in how I've created a life around it um and not everybody's fortunes fall in that kind of kind of way but I do think the more we can talk about it with with joy and with forgiveness and with delight. The more there are people that can say, actually, these are my positive experiences, 
the more awareness we bring to it, the more there are people that can say, actually, those that are struggling with it, this is what we need to do. This is what they need. This is how we can help it. This is how we can make things better. So please don't think I'm being dismissive of how hard it can be. There were times where it has been incredibly hard for me. Absolutely, really, really incredibly hard. But it doesn't always have to be like that. Um, I don't really know if that's made any sense, but I just I just want to make sure I'm not saying it's all, you know, everybody should have the same experience and it's all it's all roses and, and birdsong because I, I realise that it can't be. But the more we can talk about it, the more people can suddenly say, oh, maybe that's what it is. The more we start to realise that actually our brains all work in incredibly different ways. And one day we don't have to, you know, one day maybe we actually can create this environment where we all get to flourish and we don't have to have these diagnoses and these labels. This is what my dream is, that actually ADHD isn't a thing, that so much about neurodivergence isn't a thing because we just say, actually, we are all just people that experience life differently and that, and that need different things. Um, but we're not there at the moment. <laughs> that finished on a very sudden um, sudden break. I'm not sure what quite happened there. What I meant to say was we're not there at the moment. So, um, yeah, anything we can do to, to kind of share and to bring it out into the open and to just make the conversation more fluid and fluent in terms of in terms of our differences are exactly what we're going for so have a really lovely day um i hope you have enjoyed this i hope you found it useful please do let me know if um yeah if there's anything you'd like to add to it or any kind of feedback anything that maybe even that you you didn't agree with um but yeah have a brilliant day you will find me on uh, at the self africa on on socials and yeah that's it have a lovely day did i mention that have a lovely day <laughs> bye bye